Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Man, the NFC West just keeps giving and giving. All right, let's talk about Cooper Cup. And I know you mentioned him a little bit in their show, and you kind of hit on the point that I wanted to bring up, which is why do people not take Cooper Cup more seriously as the number one wide receiver overall when he was two years removed from the Kings when it comes to being the wide Last year, before the injury, was second and half point PPR, number one in full point PPR, and nine games in, wasn't showing any signs of regression whatsoever, even as with as well as Justin Jefferson and Tyree Kill and all those guys were doing up until that point. So why don't people take it more yeah. seriously? Man, it's fine. You know, he he's not the flashy name. He's not the Jamar Chases and Justin Jefferson and stuff. That's fine. You know, I mean, I'll take him at the 106. That is a huge discount. I'm seeing Travis Kelsey go before him, and it's like Cooper Cup has done this before. He's been injured. 2019, he comes, bounces back, and he's freaking wide receiver five. And it's like, oh. Oh, he's legit. He's for real because Sean McVay is still the coach. So I'm not, I'm not understanding why people don't take him serious when he's displayed coming back from injury and having a top five season. Like this is still on the table for him coming back from this injury. I agree with that. And I have a number three behind Jefferson and Chase. And the only reason is this. I do very much concern myself with Stafford being able to be, stay healthy the entire year. And that's where Stetson Bennett, he comes in. Will they still focus on throwing the ball to Cooper Cup? Sure. But is it anything more than five yards past the line of scrimmage? Yeah. And that's where I, I don't I don't know. And that's where I get a little bit queasy about taking Cooper Cup number one. And I think that's the reasonable argument to have. But it's not the argument you can have is not that Cup's not on the same level as those guys. Mm, yeah, yeah. I I I I I get the point with Stafford as well, too, because it is a huge gamble because who knows if it's going to go beyond five yards, which is kind of where we need Cooper Cup to be able to be available everywhere on the field. You know, like short, long, mid, it doesn't matter. Cooper Cup is going to catch the ball. And if you're limiting him to being one dimensional, uh, I I don't know if that's going to be good, but we shall see. Well, what about some other weapons on the Rams? And I look at Van Jefferson, and I think we got a sleeper on our hands quite potentially. This guy's somebody if he even is getting drafted. It's the 16th round in your draft, so he's yeah. pretty much going at the last round, or he's going to be available on your waiver wire, and it is a make-or-break season for him heading into his fourth yeah. year. He's got to show it, or it's Toast McGoats for his NFL career essentially being anything significant. I do like the talent. And the opportunity, of course, somebody else has to catch the ball besides Cooper Cup. Do you think that person could be Van Jefferson? It could be if he stays healthy. And that's always my concern with him. I mean, the dude put up 800 yards with Robert Woods and Oda Beckham in the building in 2021. So it's like 
he's going to go out there. He's going to ball out and do what he can. And to be a third option in that offense, you kind of have to be available. You have to be on the field because guys like Ben Skoranek, you know, he he's not showing any signs of slowing down. And McVay likes him because he understands the system. Like he understands. Because he blocks. Yeah, because he blocks. So he understands his role. And it's very important for him to be available in the pass and the run. So Van Jefferson's not being able to be healthy or even be 50% healthy. It's just he's out there useless and he's not going to be able to burn the field. He's not going to be able to, you know, be the decoy. So Cooper cup can get open because Van Jefferson's an awesome decoy. And like, I really feel as though, man, he could break out, but that ADP reflects the gamble with him not being able to stay healthy. Well, and, and, and you're not paying anything for him. 16th round. You're, you're not paying for it. That is somebody who I have on my name radar when I'm at the back end of the draft and I'm taking a flyer. That's something I'm taking a flyer because if things go right, let's say Stafford does stay healthy and Sean McVay does get back to being Sean McVay, all of a sudden it's a pretty good offense and somebody else has his cup is going to have big statistics. And yeah. that's why I look at Van Jefferson as a big way as a guy that I will take a shot on. We don't want to take shots on these next guys in Seattle. We don't take shots on DK Metcalf. We don't take a shots on Tyler Lockett. I will say this, though. Do people have amnesia? Why does Tyler Lockett consistently have this low gap, ADP gap between him and DK Metcalf? Like they don't finish right next to each other every single year with a couple of years mixed in of Lockett finishing ahead of Metcalf, by the way. So when I look at this and I see, I just had it in front of me, I have DK Metcalf at wide receiver 15 right now and Tyler Lockett at wide receiver 33 as their ADP, what is with that gap? Dude, I have no idea, but it's the greatest discount all of fantasy football right now. And it's it's not necessarily because of DK. It's because of the other guy they drafted, JSN. And it's like, Tyler Lockett has been proving himself year after year, people. What are we doing? The disrespect is crazy, but I'll take the disrespect and you know cash in on Sundays. But I think people are just really scared right now about JSN getting involved in this offense, becoming another weapon. But that's Tyler Lockett's not the guy that's going to get affected by this. It's the other guy with the, the high ADP right now. I agree. 100 could not agree more, by yeah. the way. And Jackson Smith and Jigba in his own right with where he's being drafted, which is in single digit rounds, is insane to me. Yeah. He's not going to, this offense, and you want to make the argument they've never had a, a really good third receiver, fine, but this offense has never featured a third receiver no, ever. They no, they have It's too balanced. New. Yeah, this is new to have somebody of that caliber of talent, you know, to be able to come in and play that third wide receiver because we've seen the Marquise Goodwins and there's guys I can't even remember right now, really, that were that third wide receiver where it's just like, okay. Oh, Okay, he's on the field. That's cool. He has 300 yards to end the season. But I think we're going to see a lot more different, you know, plays and like schemes and stuff like that where JSN gets heavily involved. And that's where my point comes in that it's not going to be Ty Lockett going to be suffering. It's going to be DK Metcalf. Well, here's the name for you. The last time the Seahawks had a third receiver with more than 50 targets in the season was 2017 Paul Richardson. Oh, yo, remember that. (laughs) Oh, my God. That was the last time they had a third receiver who was even somewhat significant in his opportunities in this offense. That's a random name. Next time I see a post, I say, name a random player. I'm going to say him. (laughs) (laughs) That is random. Oh, my God. I was just like, when I'm doing my research on this, I came across that. I was like, I I just blew my mind. (laughs) 
because I'm looking at, like I said, I look at Jackson the Jigba, and he's not the receiver, the rookie receiver I'm looking to take a shot on this year. I like him. Don't get me wrong. I, I think he's next on Mon Ross St. Brown. I don't think there's any question about that. But after Lockett leaves, to your point, yeah. it, it, Lock is not going to be the one losing his role. He's the one who can go inside, outside. I think the Jigba is somebody who's going to need to play the slot earlier on in his career. Yeah. And the other flip side of this is that, well, unless DK Metcalf starts capitalizing on some of these red zone looks, <laughs> I question his ceiling. I mean, look at the look at last year when he finished. Uh, I'm missing it here. He was wide receiver 18 last year. Yeah. And you were drafting him as wide receiver 12. You were. And that's what I'm talking about. We keep doing the same mind trick as soon as the season ends where Ty Lockett becomes his nobody guy. And I'm like, Dude, football just ended like two weeks ago. What are we saying? What are we doing? Like, did you not see his numbers? I mean, people like to give this false narrative about Tyler Lockett. And I, I'll admit, I was on that train at one point where he's insufficient and week to week, it's a headache. It's up and down roller coaster. He scores all the points on your bench type of guy. And it's like, no, man, I, I really feel as though our expectations are kind of messed up because we fade him and go get DK and we deal with the same stuff. Like, what are we yeah. doing? <laughs> and, and look, Lockett has averaged a 22.7% team target share per game basis over the last three years. It's not going away. No, it's not going away. And, the and that's where I will take that all day, every day. Volume is king, man. And I really think people who play that way and follow the volume, you have to follow the value here too with his ADP. It's wildly disrespected. You got, it's basically, you got the, the head honcho of the target share going, what? I think what that's like the fifth round you said like wide receiver thirty one oh, lower lower than that wide receiver thirty three he's going he's going in the seventh round right now oh in FFPC God. anyway yeah there there's no way there's no way I'm taking DK with that value sitting there in the seventh round no way yeah okay let's move to San Francisco and uh, my question is who's really the wide receiver one in San Francisco <laughs> they're drafting like it's Debo Samuel. At wide receiver 16, Brian Ayuk getting drafted at wide receiver 24-ish, 25-ish range at the moment. Yeah. And for the most part, it's been slight, slightly Debo as number one target, but like by 2.5% team target share on a per-game basis. That's it. That's how tight it's been over the past couple of seasons, including, by the way, Debo Samuel's big breakout season. Last year, I think here's what I will say about Debo. I think there's too much being made about him being rendered useless in the rushing game with Christian McCaffrey there. He still averaged over three carries a game. Yeah, averaged over 10 opportunities. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely still involved. Um, It's a sticky situation with Debo because I have this weird theory. If you want to let me get into that real quick. Go ahead. Well, I have this weird theory where, you know, he has this nasty injury history and I think that breakout year, I think I was all in on him because he knew he had to get paid. Like, this was make or break. And I feel as though he stopped protecting himself last season. Like, there was times where you watch Debo, he go across the middle, and he's looking for the contact. And I was like, yo, this guy's electric. He just needs to stop going head up with linebackers that are, like, 100 pounds heavier than him. And it's like, he got paid. He got what he wanted. The 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 sense of, like, oh, I got to take care of myself. I got to show I can stay healthy kind of went out the window and i really feel as though we're in that pocket now where we're looking at brandon Ayuk. he's the guy he's the wide receiver one he stepped up huge he got my respect because i was talking down about him all last season and the season before that and i'm like he gained my respect so if you're gonna draft a guy 
you go after Ayuk. He is turning heads in camp right now. If you read the the tea leaves, he is he's into form to where he's confident and he's out of the doghouse. So you have to be happy to be able to get him that late in drafts. Yeah, everyone's been raving about how great he has looked so far. And I think we'll hear more of that when it comes to training camp. And I'm going to add this part in here too. Weeks 10 through 14, which was the only time really we saw Debo and Ayuk and McCaffrey and George Kittle all healthy at the same time. Ayuk was wide receiver 20. Debo was wide receiver 23. And to your point, yes, this is Ayuk's turn where he is the one who needs to get paid now. He's going to be all in on the opportunity, especially... If Purdy's the one that quarterback, I'm just going to mention that real quick there. Thank you. Cross. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Right, so we're both on the same page. Ayuk at his ADP, especially right now, and would not be shocked. In fact, I'm projecting it right now as Ayuk being the number one receiver for the San Francisco 49ers. Debo is still a good play. He'll still be a top 24 guy, I think, when First it's all towel. said and done. Yeah. But Ayuk, I think we're looking at I think we're looking at Ayuk as a potential top 15 wide receiver come this, this year in fantasy draft. So keep Listen, that in mind. I'm going, I'm going top 12. Ooh, so who do you have in leapfrogging if he's going top 12? Listen, he's going top 12. He's he's leaping over the the T Higgins. He's leaping over guys like DK. He's leaping all those guys. I really feel as though if Brock Purdy, fingers crossed, he's going to be that guy that is going to have a heavy target share. He's going to be very efficient. He's going to be the red zone hog, or it could be Kittle too if Brock Purdy's there. But I really feel as though you split that red zone target share, you're going to get touchdowns out of Ayuk. Like, I, I feel as though you're missing out on the touchdown upside for Ayuk. You feel me? If you're going Debo Samuel, you're Debo. He's still, like you said, he's still going to get involved in the run game. Like all these points are going to come everywhere for Debo, but I just don't know if it's going to be as valuable as Ayuk is with the touchdowns and the long ball and just the, just the target share itself. So that's definitely going to be a guy you need on your rosters, people. It's funny you mentioned because Debo and his lack of touchdowns is going to be a big part in our George Kittle yes. conversation in a, yeah. in a little bit. Uh, let's talk about Marquise Brown, though, before we wrap up the wide receivers. So this is a guy, I'm going to be honest with you, I have no inner vibe one way or another on how I really feel about this player. Do I, I see a guy with high target share definitely should be available. I don't know if that means a damn thing. So when I look at Marquise Brown at wide receiver three, and he's get, he's getting drafted right now at wide receiver 35. I have him at wide receiver 33. I'm not much higher than ADP. I'm giving him a little bit of respect. This guy does have electric ability when he can yeah. get after the catch. So maybe he can make something happen off of that. But Man, if I'm not sure if Kyler's going to play this year and I'm dealing with Colt McCoy and Clayton Toon, it just makes you not excited. What's your vibe on Marquise Brown? I'm right with you. I feel no way because I I, I just go right past him on boards. I see him go off the board. I don't lose sleep. I keep moving. I, I just don't know because the, the question at quarterback, like I know if Kyler was full blaze, good to go, I would be in on Marquise Brown just with the target share and the chemistry they have. But like you, man, I feel no way. I really don't know. He hasn't been hitting big plays when, when there's poor quarterback plays. 6.6 yards per target last year. And, of course, with his stature, he's not really much of a touchdown threat to begin with and only 2.8% last year. And I don't know how much more that goes up. So you're talking about a, vo- a pure volume-based <laughs> acquisition. Yeah, 100%. I mean, if you're looking for that as your wide receiver three, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I, it's not for me. <laughs> I need touchdowns. I need all the touchdowns. 
I, I want upside. I think that's what and I think is what you're hitting that when you want to touch it. I want a little more upside than what yeah. he's going to provide. If you if you could tell me right away that Kyler's definitely gonna come back after week six, I'd be having a different conversation. But because we yeah, don't that, know that, yeah, that's doable. That's doable. If you tell me week six, then okay, I'll I'll draft him because I still have the rest of the season. I have to gear up for fantasy playoffs if I'm in contentions, et cetera, et cetera. I want a guy like that if I'm getting him as my wide receiver three.